Hi, everybody, and welcome to Coach's Corner. I have someone joining me today that I've known for, I want to say, a decade or so. Kate Northrup has been a longtime peer and friend, and it's been amazing to watch her really turn into the expert on doing less and also being ambitious at the same time. You may have heard me mention Kate before because I recommend her book, Money, A Love Story, to a lot of callers who feel they have financial blocks, have worthiness tied, have self-worth tied to net worth, grew up with some limiting beliefs about money because it's a really great book to look at your relationship with money. And her latest book, Do Less, A Revolutionary Approach to Time and Energy Management for Ambitious Women, is one of the things that we talk about today. And don't worry, guys, this is definitely a show for you to listen to, too, because I know that you can relate to feeling like you always have to do, 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 do all the time. Kate and I also talk about how to navigate these uncertain, intense times and call you forward in a very gentle way to get clear about creating the life that you want to live. Even though there's a lot of things we can't control right now, but that's really true anytime, there are certain decisions we can make to make us feel sovereign and empowered and connected. So I think you'll really enjoy today's conversation with Kate Northrup. We also talk about her membership community, Origin Collective, which you can learn more about at OriginCollective.com. Before we dive in, I want to share with you an amazing event that I'm proud to be a part of this weekend. It is called the Integrated Feminine Online Symposium. It actually started on the 10th and goes until the 14th, but it's it's not too late. You can head on over to theintegratedfeminine.com, and that link is in the show notes. Enter the code CHRISTINE10 and get 10% off all of what's happening there. So let me tell you what's happening there. It is over 70 presenters, including me, talking to women about how to flourish in relationships, health, sexuality, fitness, parenting, spirituality, and business. I'm teaching a workshop called How to Draw in a Conscious Man, since that in the last several years has become one of my areas of expertise. There's all kinds of women talking. It's really going to be amazing. And why it's called the Integrated Feminine Symposium is because integration means you become fully yourself, not hiding any aspects of you, the light, the dark, the hot, the holy, the wild, the angelic. And you can get all of the recordings for five days, 24 hours a day, but all the workshops are recorded for your lifetime access for a really, really low price. So if you're ready to grow and learn and embody and awaken, again, head on over to theintegratedfeminine.com. Use Christine 10, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E 10, all caps and the numerals 10 and get 10% off. So hopefully I will see you over there. And now on to my conversation with Kate. Kate. My longtime friend, thank you so much for joining me today. It's awesome to have you on the show. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm so happy to be here. We're both here and we're happy. Here, thank you. And I, you know, wanted you to come on the show. We've done a couple interviews before, and one of the main reasons I wanted to have you on right now in this current climate is it's been really incredible to watch you evolve over the years. So when I met you, you weren't married, you didn't have kids. You were really at the beginning of your career. And since then you're, you're married, you have two daughters, you have this incredible business and you have learned how to do it, how to be an ambitious woman and a mom and a wife and a friend and all of the things that you are, the list goes on without stressing yourself out to the max or having, you know, being stressed at times and knowing how to manage it. So I'd love to start with maybe you sharing a little bit about like Kate circa 2015 (laughs) versus now and how you really learned how to balance that ambition with also being awake. Mm, Yeah. So trying to think what I was doing in 2015. Pick, pick any year, just like, you know, you before. Yeah, no, I mean, it's just, I, I think that, um, like so many people, I grew up 
hyper identifying with achievement. Um, I come from a family with two physician parents, like education was a huge, huge focus, getting straight A's, um, checking the boxes, you know, mm-hmm. like getting into an Ivy League school, the whole freaking there was just a lot of that. Um, and I, I watched both of my parents create impressive careers. And also as a kid, it just seemed like there was a lot of trade-off and sacrifice for money. Mm. So, you know, sacrificing family time for work, sacrificing, um, well, honestly, my, my parents got divorced mm-hmm. the year my mom's career took off in a huge way. So mm. sort of, you know, that like, it's good that they're not married, but um, it just, you know, just watching kind of the, the different ways that career and money interact yeah. with life and the different trade-offs. Right. So I, I was just very obsessed with time management from a very early age for better or for worse. And I remember in college, one of the ways I would try to manage my anxiety was ripping out a new little piece of loose leaf lined uh, three hole punch notebook paper from my notebook. And I would write down on each line in like, you know, 15 minute increments, exactly what I was going to do throughout the day and try to stick perfectly with my plan. And I, and if I had empty time, I just was so anxious mm-hmm. about it. Like mm-hmm. I didn't want any empty space in my calendar. And so that was, you know, whatever, 20 years ago. Um, and I just, spoiler alert, that did not work well to manage my anxiety. <laughs> no, I'm just, I've tried that too. And it, it doesn't, it, it just makes the anxiety worse, kicks in the OCD and a lot of other things. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then the control factor, right? Yeah. And so here we are, you know, I'm not really answering your question, but no, here we great. are in 2020. And I think a lot of us are realizing on an e- even deeper level, like, oh, oh first of all, I have no idea what the world is going to look like six months from now. Yep. So my old ways of being around time are no longer serving me. And I know at least for me at the very beginning of this moment um, in March, I all my stuff was kicked up about, well, how long is this going to go on for? And if I can just know how long it's going to go for, then I'll be okay. Just give me some control. Just give me some certainty. I wanted control. You know, we want control. And, And so a lot of what I've evolved into and just learned how to be with is not, is the not knowing, like how can I find joy in an empty calendar? Can I feel joy? Can I feel presence? when I don't know what's going to be happening next week, you know, and, and motherhood and, and birth stories. And, you know, my husband got really ill for a very long time. So mm-hmm. I've been through enough things now realizing that like, we just never know what life never is going to bring. Um, and, and there's been some softening of the edges over the years, you know, certainly since we met and, and certainly since those early days in college, trying to manage my anxiety with loose leaf paper. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's, that's kind of my answer to your question. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, I think we have to, at least I know the same is true for me and you and I are very similar in a lot of ways. I had to learn what burnout felt like. And a lot of it was physical. Like for me, it really showed up on the physical level, nothing extreme, but enough to, to slow me down and be like one, one Christine, you can't operate like this. And two, it's not your nature as, as a woman. And I think that a lot of the way women and men don't stop listening, this isn't a show just for women because it's important for you to understand this too, is so many women we have adapted to a more masculine world and and gone more into that do, do, do masculine energy and lost touch with the power of more of our feminine energy and the power of the feminine superpower of being the receivers. Doesn't mean we can sit on our couch, watch reality shows all day and just expect things to, you know, come down the chimney for us and be like, poof, here are your dreams. However, when we get too much in that do, 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 give, 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 we're out of balance and out of sync, not only, you know, health-wise, but energy-wise and and alignment-wise. And so... I'd love to talk to you about your concept of doing less, which was well, do less is the title of your last book 
and what that really means. Because I think when we say that to people, especially ambitious women, they're like, do less. Well, everything's going to fall apart if I do less. So (laughs) how, how do we start doing less and also breaking a lot of those programs and beliefs that if I don't work hard, then fill in the blank, bad thing will happen. Totally. Oh my gosh. So that's like, you've just articulated it so well, which is the fear that if I don't hold everything up, the whole world will fall apart. And I shared this on Instagram a couple weeks ago. I had this boyfriend in high school who wrote me a poem and the poem was entitled child of Atlas. And I I wish I had saved the poem. I can't find it, but Anyway, the long and short of it was, um, he wrote this for me when I was 16. So the long and short of it was basically the world will continue to rotate on its access, even if you put it down. Right. Mm. And so very profound for a 16 year old guy. I mean, I don't know where this guy is, but wow. (laughs) Yeah. He's he's like a professor. Of course. <laughs> he's still, I, I don't, I don't, I mean, like, I, we don't keep in touch, but I think he's a professor. He's still just as broody as ever. But anyway, <laughs> it was an amazing poem. And I remember it so well because he just nailed it. And I, I, I gift anyone listening to this podcast with that message, which is that we are not responsible for the well being of every single being, right? We're responsible for ourselves and our own impact on others, Mm -hmm. but we are not responsible for everything. And for anybody who's struggled with codependency and people pleasing and, um, you know, the list goes on and on. Right. So, gosh, you know, it's really, I like to take it incrementally because changing ways of being can really take a while. Mm-hmm. Um, now sometimes it's quantum, right? Sometimes it's instant and you just get an awareness and then like that pattern is over. And I love those moments mm-hmm. and I celebrate those moments. However, for those of us who have a deeply ingrained belief that we are like responsible for everything, it's going to take maybe slower steps to break that pattern. And so what I recommend is doing really small things like for example, receiving the help that's offered to you. Mm. So when the other day I was carrying a million bags out of my office, plus like 10 beverages, which is how I roll. Standard for me. I have two in front of me now. Yeah, (laughs) I I bring four beverages to work every day. Um, Plus a salad, plus a basket of all my notebooks. Like it's a whole scene. So The guy who also is in my office space was like, do you need help? And the truth is, you know, do you need help or can I help you? I didn't need help. Like I I could have done it by myself, but I, because I do this work to deprogram myself and to help other women deprogram themselves, I am in the practice of noticing when help is offered and receiving it because just because I can do it doesn't mean I need to. Or want to. Mm -hmm. Or want to. And if I receive the help that's offered, the way I think about it is a deposit in my energy bank for later. So like maybe I didn't use that last 10% of my energy schlepping out of the office. And maybe I have it extra so that I'm that much more present with my daughters when I get home. Mm. And then the guy who helped was so excited to help me out. You know, he was just like, wanted to be the good guy and help. Plus we had a nice conversation about the basket. (laughs) So there was that, right? So I think especially right now in our climate, creating more connection with other human beings is so beneficial. And when we are willing to receive the help that's offered, we actually not only, we don't deplete our energy as much, which is great. We're not as exhausted at the end of the day, which is great. We begin to break the pattern and we gather evidence that we do not have to do everything ourselves and that the result is actually not any different if we don't do do everything ourselves. And maybe the result is actually better. And we also create kind of this ripple effect of when I receive help, like from a girlfriend, let's say from a local mom friend, 
And then the next time she is in a bind and needs somebody to run to the grocery store or, you know, watch her daughter while she takes her other kid to the pediatrician or something, she's going to reach out to me because she saw that it was okay because mm. I received help. And so then that makes me available to give in a different way. And it's, it's given her permission to then carry out a new way of being. And I just think we need more and more and more of us publicly not doing everything so that we can give up the facade of the woman who does it all. Like it's such bullshit. It really is. And I think sometimes we think we get badges or awards for, for busyness and doing it all. And, and PS, not only doing it all, but doing it all really well, if not perfectly. And we're, Mm. in my opinion, not designed to live like that. We really are designed more to live in community and these sort of, and that's one of the many, many things that concerns me about the current climate you know, my, my human self, it gets concerned. My higher self is like, this is all a breakdown and there's a rebuilding yeah. and it's happening for a reason, but I don't live there hundred percent of the time. I'm in my very <laughs> human self a lot of the moments and, and looking and going, wow, we are becoming more separate, more isolated, which I think creates more forgetting of who we truly are. And yeah. the more of that lack of exactly what you're talking about. So I'd love to bring this into, you know, we're living in unprecedented times. So everything that you're saying for a lot of people listening, they may think, well, it's even harder now because I'm working from home. I have less support. I can't afford my nanny or cleaning lady or whoever your support people are. I don't want to let other people help me because I'm afraid of fill in the blank. (laughs) So what what are what's some advice or some wisdom for people that are feeling even more isolated during this time mm. and even more in fear? Yes. Thank you for asking this question. <sighs> I know. It's, it's like, it's like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a big one. In discussing no. this, there's so many, and just for everybody listening, just notice what beliefs are coming up as we're talking about this. Mm-hmm. Just Just notice the the, the lens or the filter in which you're hearing this from and see, especially if you're someone who is in right now, a lot of fear, which is okay. You're human. It's an uncertain time, but it's in a lot of fear and that's in a lot of uncertainty and even kind of panic. Just notice that and maybe take a deep breath and be open to hearing some wisdom advice to something that may offer you a different perspective. Cause remember miracles, a change in perception. And this is a time when miracles are really, really good. So no pressure, Kate, to answer this question. I know it's a big one. That was, that was beautiful though. It's such a great reminder that a miracle is a change in perception. Mm -hmm. I love that so much. Thank you for that reminder. So I want to preface this by saying the following. I live in a really small town in Maine (laughs) for, you know, for reasons that I cannot exactly, exactly pinpoint this moment in history has not hit us so hard because I'm not in a big city. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's Mm -hmm. a lot of different factors for why, let's say COVID specifically, uh, is, is affecting different, you know, different populations in different ways, different locations, regions, all that. Right. We're not going to get into that today because I'm not a scientist. (laughs) I just research. (laughs) But, um, I live in this little neighborhood, which has become this microcosm for me of research. And early on in this moment in time, when everything kind of went into shutdown, um, I, there were, there were probably two weeks, two weeks when everyone kept to themselves and we were sort of like, okay, what's going to happen. And after those two weeks, there's a lot of kids in the neighborhood and we know everybody really well. We all hang out a lot. After those two weeks, we all kind of just emerged and, um, started hanging out because we were like, well, Mm -hmm. we're these small number of houses Mm -hmm. on a cul-de-sac, all going to the same grocery store. (laughs) Like we're just going to be a village because we cannot do this alone. And so through this entire time, we have had a village where, you know, there has been 
kids playing together, people helping each other out. You know, I'm going to the grocery store. Do you need anything? We've got this going on. Oh, we just went blueberry picking. Let me drop a, a cobbler off at your house. And you might be listening to this and you're like, oh my freaking God, it's like you live in a, on a different planet. Like you're so out of touch. And I just wanted, I want everyone to know I am aware that I live in a bubble. However, there's some elements that I, I think we can all draw from this to create more sustainable communities um, and more immune health actually, because community actually does build our immune systems. Mm -hmm. And this is, this is with or without COVID, right? <laughs> like this is just, I've been talking about this for years, the power of the village. And so if you're in a place where you're like, okay, you know, I can barely go outside. I'm working full-time from home. My kids are doing distance learning. I don't have the support structures. My income has gone down or I'm furloughed or, you know, whatever. I just also want to say, take some time and get really clear on what actually matters. Like what actually matters to you for your quality of life and for your joy. And I would imagine for most of us, it's that our families are safe. It's that we're relatively healthy. And, you know, it's the simple pleasures of like putting your feet in the grass or looking at a tree or feeling the sunshine on your face or, you know, a glass of lemonade, like mm -hmm. it's not complicated stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a time to simplify our lives and get back to the basics of the human experience and what is actually required for life. What's required for life is shelter, warmth, community, food. That's it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's it. Mm-hmm. And it's an opportunity to look at how we've overcomplicated our lives and how our standards have gotten so ridiculous. Like this is, you know, I've had more piles of laundry during this time than ever before. My house has not been clean. It's, you know, it's a wreck. Like the kids have been everywhere. It's been, it's chaos, but mm -hmm. I had to mm -hmm. expand my capacity to live with the imperfections so I can just enjoy the fact that like, okay, we're together we have people we love and, you know, and that's it. So we, I, I really do believe this is a time of creating micro communities where we actually can, if that feels safe to you, mm -hmm. be in a little pod with some people and really stay connected because I don't believe it is healthy for, on any possible level to be isolated in our own nuclear families for very long. Yeah. It's, it's, it's it, on multiple levels. It's so, I don't, I don't actually think there's really any benefit to it. Yeah. I agree to marriage, to kids, to our health, to, to all of it. And I think that's one of the things that is really a couple of the words that I've been using and encouraging people to step into in terms of qualities are sovereignty and empowerment. And sovereignty is very different from, from isolation. Sovereignty yeah. is really about not letting ourselves be controlled or programmed by outside forces, not in disobedience, that's not sovereignty, but it's really about trusting our own inner knowing, both our intuition and our critical thinking, and really going, you know, I'm going to take everything into account, and then I'm going to make the choices that are best for me and my family and community. Sovereignty is not about selfishness or entitlement either. It takes everything into account. And empowerment is all right, there's, there's what's happening. And then there's what I can, how I can respond to it. And really knowing that, you know, empowerment is so different from power. Power over people, I think is what a lot of people are seeing in the world and where a lot of the corruption and all that kind of stuff lives. But empowerment is that finding that those resources inside ourselves to take back our power and to make the kind of choices that really, again, support us, our family, and the community. And those things in this time, I think we're really being called forward to step more into those qualities. And more and more people, it feels like now, or now that it's been, I don't know how many months it's been, nine months, something like that, or seven, or I, this is a time warp this year. I don't even know. <laughs> I only know what day it is because this was my birthday this week. Otherwise, I never know really what month we're in. Um, but there's so many, I think, lessons that are being learned. And one you just really highlighted is that empowerment and that sovereignty. Again, not rebelling, not selfish, not being careless, 
but stepping into those higher qualities because when we allow our life to be controlled by fear and even what we were talking about before, when you were ambitious and like had to fill up a notebook and had to have your calendar filled and which I can raise my hand to as well, that's fear. That's being driven by fear. And whenever we're being driven by fear, fear of anything, fear of loss, fear of rejection, fear of loss of control, fear of not doing enough, whatever it is, then we're cut off from one, our higher power, whatever that means to us and our intuition, but also from the ideas, the opportunities that are most aligned from the direction we want to go. And so this, to me, this, this is a, a time when we're not just supposed to be getting through it. We're really supposed to be creating a new reality in a lot of ways. Do you feel that? Do you wow. feel like, yeah. oh my gosh, yes. I hope we never, I hope we look back at this time and say that was the time that everything changed and mm-hmm. we never went back. We only yep. went forward. Yep. Um, yep. Now I will say I spent the first month losing my mind yep. and being like, when am I going to have childcare again? When, can, like I did, I spun out. Right. Mm -hmm. And now I, no one looking on the outside would have ever known that, but (laughs) internally I was losing. Yeah. I think we all did. And, and, you know, yeah, I think we all did. And, you know, for me, my particular brand of that was having two small children at home and like having a company to run and being like, what the, I like, Mm -hmm. I can't do it. Um, and what was so cool is I noticed that and I talked to actually, um, Dr. Shafali Sabari. Mm, I love her. Parenting. Yeah. And the awakened family. And she was like, Kate, you are making this harder than it needs to be. Mm. You're not going back. This is your life now. Mm. This is your reality. Mm. And it was just like, I don't know. There was, it was just something about the way she said it to me. I was like, oh, Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. So then I sunk in and I was like, okay, I'm Mm -hmm. home with my kids Mm -hmm. and I'm working in three minute chunks. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And I'm going to get 20 emails answered in just three minutes. It was just like, this is not how I would have designed it, but it is what's happening. Mm -hmm. So what's the gift? And, And for me, I actually really changed my relationship with my kids and mothering. It was so, it was actually really beautiful. I didn't realize sort of how much in this push pull I was in of feeling like I, I, there's no delicate way to say this. So I'm just going to say, I was really in this place of like not wanting to spend huge amounts of time with them because it's, it is, it's you know, parenting is really hard. And so I was really loving the like long mornings and and time in the afternoon and before bedtime and the weekends. But like, I didn't want to go on, you know, a full week trip without like, and just be with them all the time and with the whining and all the stuff. And, and quite frankly, that was keeping me a bit, a little bit separated from them. And then Mm -hmm. when I lost all the possibility of having breaks, I softened and was like, stopped trying, you know, I stopped trying to have some kind of freaking agenda. Yeah. And we just like played around the neighborhood and it was really fun. And my capacity to be present with my children expanded so much. And, and I, I hope that other people are experiencing similar miracles um, in small ways, if, if they're looking for them, right? Mm-hmm. Like I needed to start looking for a miracle because the way I was thinking and operating was not going to be sustainable. And that's empowerment. That's empowerment. Yeah. That's like, all right, I can't change my external circumstances, but I can change the way I relate to them. And I can really ask what's, what's the lesson in this? Because I think, well, not, I think I've seen it firsthand that the other thing this year is activating and not just with COVID, this is with the racial injustices coming to surface, this is with to surface, this is the natural disasters that are happening, this is everything, is so many people's inner child wounding is being mm. triggered. Because whenever yeah. we're in a time of trauma from the past being reignited, being confronted with our own biases, uh, having that sense of uncertainty um, feeling bullied in any way, like all of that stuff and just being downright frightened and not knowing if we're safe brings up the inner child. And so 
this is really an opportunity for us to look at how much of our life we were running from more of an unconscious place. And wherever we're triggered, like for you, it happened to be with your kids. So you got to look at that part of you that like really thought she needed to be hard for whatever reason and got yeah. to soften. And I know for me, what got triggered, especially in the beginning, I mean, I was in the camp of like disinfecting all my groceries when I got home. Like I was in that world for a while. And I got to look at, you know, the, my inner child wounding around like feeling threatened, like, like that, that feel between, you know, being teased and other things that happen. Like I, I, there were times I just didn't feel safe and I got to look at that and be with that. So I think that in, you know, and this is, I think the hard part for people is there's so much life stuff going on. Like all the things you mentioned, the homeschooling and running business from home or losing your job. And, you know, so many of the things that people are struggling with that sometimes it can be difficult to make time for that personal reflection. Yeah. However, I find that if you don't, then everything just gets worse. Do you find that? Because I know you have two children, which makes your life a lot more complicated than mine. But do you find that when you miss out on that personal reflection part, that that impacts your life externally? I really do. And I'll tell you what, my personal reflection practices are remarkably simple. And so for anyone yeah. who's listening who also has small children or children of any, you know, or dogs or is caring for an aging parent or, you know, has a special needs child, or if you have a chronic illness yourself, I mean, there's so many reasons that just make any kind of time for anything that feels luxurious, like personal reflection, like you might just be like, yeah, that is a luxury I don't have time for. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, you're listening to this podcast, so you probably aren't thinking that, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. but you never know. Um, and so here's what I want to say. You can get a lot of bang for your personal reflection buck in a very short amount mm -hmm. of time. And I do, I created this really quick journaling practice when I was losing my mind after my first year of motherhood. I had a sick baby. I struggled with postpartum insomnia, postpartum anxiety, mastitis a million times. Um, you know, sometimes our daughter, because of her severe eczema, was waking up screaming in the night every 10 mm. minutes. Like, I mean, it was brutal. So I really needed a life raft at that point. And what I found as my life raft was this simple journaling practice that I did every night. Um, it was once I got my period back after my daughter was born. So she was 13 months old and I got my period back and I don't know why, you know, divine intervention. I just started this little journaling practice where I'd write down the day of my cycle that I was on the phase of my cycle. Cause there are four phases of the menstrual cycle mm -hmm. and they mimic the four seasons. So every month, a woman who's having a regular unmedicated cycle will have a personal spring, summer, fall, and winter. Um, they have different names than that, but it's easier to, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's easier to call them that. And so I would just write it down. And then I would also write down what phase the moon was in. Mm. Um, and just how I felt that day. Like, what did I notice about my energy? Was I tired? Was I wired? Was I sad? Was I emotional? Was I irritated? Was I, you know, was I optimistic? Like, you know, all of those things. And it took me about three minutes every night. And it just became this anchor mm. of in a sea of chaos, which is what my life felt like at the time when I really just felt so massively out of control, I needed something that I could rely on. And for me, it was tracking and noticing information about my body and my energy mm. in a cyclical way, because there's the cyclical nature of our bodies and of the cosmos, what's going on with the moon and the sun and the stars all the time and the other planets, there's a precious, precious, precious sense of reliability. And for those of us who struggle with control, yeah, um, there's something so great about knowing that like, oh, I have my period and in 26 days, I'm going to have it again. Yeah. And I know that. And like, it's a new moon. And in 29 and a half days, it's going to be a new moon again. Yep. And I can rely on that. And so the reason I bring this up now, that whole journaling practice has become the whole do less planner system. And it's has some more elements now, but it's essentially that, um, that's sort of like the core of it. And 
for those who are struggling and not finding space to have a personal reflection practice, I really recommend doing something, even if it's in the morning, writing one thing you're grateful for, yeah. or at night, writing one thing you're grateful for. Like that, a, a small amount of time will give you huge benefits. And then I also always am sure to do kind of my new moon desires and my full moon releasing. So yeah. I, I, I work my reflection in a cyclical way as a rhythm so that I'm not, so like, I know these days of the month, these are, this is the reflecting practices I'm going to do. Um, and then it doesn't have to be something where I'm getting perfectionistic about it. And I'm like, Oh, in order to do personal reflection, right. I have to have hours and like a candle and the right, right. incense and right. That stuff. right. Right. It makes it, it, that's, that's what I love is that it can be simple and that's part of do less. Would you, would you share any other tips from do less that you think would be good for yeah. Yeah. Good for a piece. Absolutely. So, you know, to, to piggyback on what I was just sharing about this, uh, daily little journaling practice, it became something called the daily energy tracker, because what I found is that most ambitious people are students of time management. And the idea of time management is if we can just wrangle our schedule properly, we can fit enough in there to be successful. Mm. Sort of like the basis of traditional time management. Right, right. What I found is that if I actually paid more attention to my energy, time sort of took care of itself. Mm. So I, I really am a huge fan of managing our energy as opposed to managing our time. And what I mean by that is actually checking in with yourself each day to notice, like, if you are a woman with a regular cycle. What day of my cycle am I on? How do I actually feel today? What phase of my cycle am I in? And if you aren't somebody with a period, it could be just, how do I feel today? How's Mm -hmm. my energy? And you might track it in concert with the moon. You might not. Um, but that practice, then if you source your schedule and you source your activities based on your energy levels, And based on if you're feeling kind of that get up and go energy, or if you're feeling more of an inward reflective energy, or if you're feeling like reaching out to people and connecting and being communicative, or if you're really feeling like wrapping things up and clearing things off your task list, like you'll have these different flavors throughout the month. And if you do the thing that you actually feel like doing, it's amazing how efficient you are at doing it. And you don't really have to worry so much about managing your time anymore, because when you sync things up with your energy levels, the stuff that matters just gets done. Mm, mm. I love that. I love that. Let's um, talk specifically to women who would identify as being ambitious or or even even there's maybe some women thinking, I'm not ambitious. I just have a lot of work. Well, you're ambitious. Yeah. So own it. <laughs> so own it. <laughs> um, with working and doing less, what are some tips for changing our relationship to our career and to our work? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So number one, the the overarching idea and and belief to change is that your worth is not determined by what you do. Hmm. Mm. So we have to start there. Our worth is inherent. We don't have to prove anything. And so ambitious ambition can be fueled by um, proving or it can be fueled by purpose. And when ambition is fueled by proving, it is a sure road to burnout because you will never do enough to prove to whoever amorphous, you know, God, your dad. Mm-hmm. Your society, that one professor in college who told you you couldn't, who's he, what's it, you know, yeah. like we have these people, right. That we're trying to, and they may not even be paying attention. They may not even be alive. <laughs> exactly. Um, right. That we're trying to sort of like make proud. It's these deep, you know, imprints that you talked about, like the inner child stuff versus if your ambition is fueled by purpose, then it's this sustainable fuel where you're not, you know, you're not going to over, 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 overdo because it's not external. It's a, it's, it's being guided by an internal sense of I'm on mission. I'm, this is part of my purpose. I'm, I'm, I'm like being used in this beautiful way. Right. Mm. Um, as opposed to I'm being used up. Mm. And so 
my recommendation is to really get clear on your why. And I know, you know, you might be listening and you're like, well, my career isn't necessarily relate. You know, it's not like I'm out here curing cancer or I'm not, you know, I'm not feeding hungry children. I'm not, you know, listen, we all have a purpose. We all have a mission. Some of us just haven't articulated it yet. Mm -hmm. And so let's say you work as a receptionist at a dentist's office, right? Like your mission could have to do with, with, bringing people confidence, right? Because our, our, our teeth have so much to do with, you know, I don't remember what I watched, but I watched this beautiful documentary having to do with, um, dentists who went into places where, you know, people haven't had dental care and, Mm. and just the people, you know, didn't smile. Like they were trying to hide their, their teeth for years, 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 years. And then when they were able to just like let it rip and really have the widest smile, like it's just, I mean, I just cried. It was so beautiful. Right. So we are all connected to something greater. And I think if, if you're teetering on the verge of burnout, I would really get back in touch with what, what future vision are you part of? What are you contributing to? What is your work connected to that's part of something bigger? And if you can't find the alignment there, I would recommend just seeing if there might be another career for you. <laughs> because we are at a time, I believe, where we need to really be questioning the industries that are not life-giving. And if you're somebody who works in one of those industries, it might be time to just sniff around and see if there's something else available that would be more aligned with a vision that for the future that you want to be part of. And just notice everybody, as Kate said that, did you go into expansion or contraction? Did you go into abundance or scarcity? I can't. Just notice that. Take a breath. Forgive yourself if you went into that scarcity or contraction. And just notice that we are creators. And we're consistently creating our world and creating our reality. And if you believe that you don't have options, then you don't. But if you believe that the universe is infinite and there's infinite possibilities, then infinite possibilities and options start to show up. So I think this is definitely a time more than ever, like you said, where we need to be looking at anything that's soul-sucking because this is a, a consciousness shift and how we're spending our time impacts our consciousness and making those kind of changes that are bold and that are risky, but that are life-giving and life-affirming, they're so worth it. They're so worth it. And our beliefs really, really, really get in our way a lot of times. <laughs> you know, I recommend, Kate, your your book, Money, A Love Story, all the time because it is such a an amazing book for looking at our relationship with money and the beliefs that are in our way. So maybe for people, that's a start. You know, if you noticed a lot of fear and objections and I can'ts coming up, check out Kate's book. It's on, it's on audible too, right? People can listen to it. It is on audible. And what's fun about the audible version is we self-produced it. Um, Mm. so I added in and I did it, I produced it, um, four years after I'd written the book. So I had a lot of additional thoughts. So there's uh, tons of extra bonus asides and extra content in oh, good. the audio version. Oh, good. I love that. So you've got Money, A Love Story. You've got your latest book, Do Less. And then you've got a program too called Origin that people can start to learn about as well, right? I do. Yeah. So Origin is my membership where people who identify as female come to grow their businesses while doing less. Mm-hmm. within this really beautiful community with proven strategies and with really a paradigm shifting framework to fuel our ambition through purpose and passion instead of through proving. Mm, I love that. And where can people learn about that? Origincollective.com. And that'll all be in the show notes, everybody, Origin Collective. And do you teach that with Mike or is that a program you teach on your own? Not when I teach on my own. Okay. Awesome. Well, I am telling you everyone, Kate is somebody I always look to as a teacher of how to be successful without buying into the whole, I have to be burnt out in order to be successful. And she does it in such a graceful, honest way. And 
one final thing I'd love to talk about, because I know this is something that you've had to work through as well through our previous conversations, is boundaries. And the not only ability to say no, but the celebration of saying no and having boundaries and making certain times sacred. Could you speak a little bit to maybe your own personal journey with boundaries and some of your best practices for having boundaries and why actually boundaries make us more connected versus less? Mm. Oh my gosh, so much there. So I will say one of the more recent, like in 2020 boundaries I have enacted is a no appointment Tuesday. Um, and that has been, you know, so I'm just going to give a few examples of boundaries I have in place. I definitely was the person who would turn myself into a pretzel for everybody's requests and saying no is still hard for me, but I do it anyway. Me me too. (laughs) Me too. It's hard to not follow it with a justification and an apology, but I'm learning more. (laughs) I know. You know what? I'll tell, I'll tell a great boundary story, which is that, um, I wanted, I, I was reaching out to a woman whose work I admired, uh, to ask her to do something. And, and she responded back right away. And she said, um, thank you so much for thinking of me. I'm not able to do X, Y, Z because my current priority is this. I'll let you know if that changes best of luck with whatever it is that you're doing. And I loved her response email so much. So even though she was giving me a no, I was so excited for her. And I was like super enrolled in her vision for her priorities. And I just, I already really respected her a lot. It helped me respect her so much more. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so I just, I want to say as somebody who sets boundaries and also receives boundaries from other people, I love it when somebody tells me no because I really respect and celebrate somebody being clear on their own priorities. And every time that happens, it inspires me. And I think to myself, is there anything I'm saying yes to that I should be saying no to? So I just, I want to share that because it's, it's total celebration. So one of the things I do is I have a no appointment Tuesdays. I also have a rule that I basically don't take appointments before 12 PM Eastern time. I don't like having to run to the office and like have things in the morning. I like that to be my content creation time. Me too. Um, so those, what did you say you too? Yes. I, I, nothing before 11 AM at all. Yeah. <laughs> Some, and I've yeah. almost pushed, I'm working on my next book. So now it's noon because oh, it's, yeah. If we don't manage our time, it manages us for sure. Yeah. And I don't schedule anything after 4 PM. Um, because that's the time that I go home and, and with my girls. So I basically have, you know, a four hour window four times a week, but actually not on Mondays either. Cause that's time for my team. So I have like really limited time on my calendar that I have time for stuff. And just as an example, folks listening in real life example, Christine and I have been trying to schedule this podcast probably for nine months. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so because of, it's not because, you know, it's just because like both of us have really good boundaries on our calendar. So it takes longer to get things done, but you know what? The illusion of urgency is just an illusion. There are really very few things that are urgent. And one of my practices is getting into trust that things happen when they're meant to happen. And while I don't know, Christine, exactly why we are doing this now versus before, I trust that there's a greater reason that it took longer. Absolutely. Every time I say no or have to delay something or have to whatever, like something happens to remind me why. And I'll give a quick example, which is that last fall, I had said yes to so many interviews because it was still in a book launch year. And I just like was saying yes to a lot of things to get the book out there. But I reached a point where my calendar was so full that I didn't have time to actually do my work like for my company. And so then I was trying to schedule a a meeting with my husband and I was like looking three weeks out. I was like, okay, (laughs) (laughs) so I did something bold and unpopular, which is that I canceled everything. I canceled all of the interviews and I am sure there were people who were pissed because I had said yes. And I was going back and saying no, which is not my favorite thing to do. Like I really would prefer to have good boundaries up front, but every now and again, I do have to, you know, consciously decommit. 
And what ended up happening literally within 24 hours is a huge interview opportunity came about that we had pitched nine months earlier. But within 24 hours of me giving myself permission to do less and not need to be everywhere, I got this super, super high leverage opportunity. Mm. And it was just like, yeah, thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, goddess. Like, thanks for reminding me. I love that. I get to choose. I love that. It reminds me of that, the section from your book on egg wisdom, that when we ovulate, Mm. the egg doesn't go looking around (laughs) for the sperm. It doesn't go check out, doesn't go down and say, are you there yet? It just hangs out. And if the sperm comes, it comes. If it doesn't, it's like, all right, not this month. And there's such, um, there's so many metaphors in that. And I think that I love also tying back to doing our reflection in a more cyclical way that puts us in touch with that natural rhythm and just reminds us of, of who we are and how we function in the world to, at our highest capacity. And one other thing I wanted to say about boundaries, which has been a big learning for me, is I know how well I'm doing with my own boundaries by how much I personalize other people's boundaries. Meaning I know I'm doing well with my boundaries. If, for example, you saying, oh, I can't do it till September or whatever, I don't go, well, we've been friends forever. Isn't she going to make time for me? You know, and I, and there was none of that, right? Because I, I know my, how important my own boundaries are. So when I see someone standing in theirs, like that person that you reached out to, it's confirmation. It's, ah, this is how this looks like. And this gives me, not that we need permission, but again, confirmation of this is healthy. And if more of us did that in just a communicative, you know, non-apologetic kind, but non-apologetic or justifying kind of way, then it's like, we don't have to take it so personally. So if you're someone that takes other people setting their boundaries very personally, that's a little alarm that there's some work you need to do on your own boundaries because you're probably collapsing in on yourself a little too much. Brilliant. Uh, So much good stuff here today, Kate. Thank you so much. So just to remind people that you could just go to Amazon or go to katenorthrop.com. That'll be there. You can get either one of her books, Money, Love Story, or Do Less. Um, And the subtitle for that is A Revolutionary Approach to Time and Energy Management for Ambitious Women. Um, So good. And then the membership program is origincollective.com. Is that right, Kate? Yeah. Okay, cool. If you need some support at this time with, because sometimes we need support with doing less. We need somebody to teach us because we're so ingrained in a different system. Then I highly encourage you to check that out. Um, Anything else you want to share, Kate, before we wrap up? No, just a reminder, a loving reminder that your worth is not determined by how much you do. No, your worth is not determined by how much you do. That's beautiful. Thank you, Kate. Thank you, Christine. 